Good morning, my name is Maddie. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Ephesians. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading from verses 7 to 16 from Ephesians, chapter 4 in the New American Standard Bible. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ." until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The word of the Lord. We have a special guest speaker today. Sean Marshall comes to us from Chicago. He works as a director of Congregational Vitality, and uh, he's here on another speaking engagement, and we were lucky enough to snag him for today. So, Sean, come on up. Tell us about yourself and give us the word. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you all today. Um, I have such love in my heart um, for uh, your pastor and for um, what God is doing in the covenant. Um, I am the director of Congregational Vitality for the Evangelical Covenant Church. I've been serving in that role since January. I'm also an adjunct professor at North Park in the Certificate in Congregational Vitality. And I have served as a pastor in the covenant. I spent four years pastoring uh, just southwest of the city of Chicago, and also pastored at a church I helped to plant in Detroit, Michigan. Um, but those are not any of the things that I really want to brag on. What I really thank God for is that I'm a new dad. Uh, yeah. My daughter uh, just turned one year old two weeks ago, and so now she is one going on 21. She is um, walking and running and doing all that fun stuff. And so my anxiety level uh, has increased tremendously. So as you remember me in your prayers, uh, please just pray that God would deliver me from the clutches of fear that the enemy has now trapped me in because my daughter is fearless and she thinks that at one year she can actually step down steps. So she's trying to do that now. She has no concept of gravity or danger, you know, any of those things that, you know. So just, just keep me in your prayers. As a matter of fact, um, a few weeks ago, uh, my daughter was at our daycare, which is a daycare she's been at since she was three months old. 
And one of the things that our daycare provider does is they will have nurses come into the classroom to evaluate where the children are developmentally to see if they have achieved all of their markers uh, of, of growth and health. So they will evaluate whether or not they can recognize certain things and recognize their name and take steps and all their motor skills should be developmentally appropriate for their age. And it's awesome that they do that. And it's great that they do that because daycare costs a million dollars. You, you may not know that, you may know. Daycare costs a million dollars. So it's good, we're getting ready for college tuition now, so it's fine. <laughs> but what I appreciated about that was the fact that the daycare thought enough about our child and thought enough about us to evaluate where she was to make sure that she is growing and maturing in a healthy way. Here's a question. When was the last time you asked yourself, am I developing and am I maturing in the way God has intended for me to grow? I'm not talking about walking and talking and motor skills. I'm talking about, am I developing, am I maturing as a Christ follower and as a believer? Can I tell you a secret? One of the things I'm learning in my role, I'm only about five months in, but one of the things I'm learning is that we have this situation sometimes where people think that because they've grown older in Christ, that they've grown mature in Christ. And that's not necessarily the case. Well, what is maturity? The dictionary defines maturity, you all, as the quality or state of being fully developed. And when I found this definition, uh, one of the other statements I found was that humans experience a delayed maturity, which means that as human beings, we develop physically, emotionally um, over a longer period of time. So we develop more slowly than most mammals in uh, the world. So maturity is a process that forms us to be more fully who we were born to be. How many of you all want to be fully who you were born to be? You want to be fully what God created you to be. Now, i got to warn you before I go into my message. Um, Pastor Peter told me that I had about 27 minutes to preach, right? Then Katie told me that I had about 27 minutes to preach. But when I walked in the door, Ron looked at me and said, don't hold anything back. Appreciate you, Ron. <laughs> so I just, I just want you to know I pulled out the next hour and 90 minutes that I, that I cut from my sermon when uh, they told me that I only had 27 minutes. So, so listen, if you engage with this more quickly, then I might consider letting you out before 3 o'clock. You got it? Okay. So I want to talk about three ways I believe God desires to mature us as believers and mature us as a church today. First of all, I believe that God requires of us a mature diversity. After laying out a marvelous understanding of what God has done for us in the first three chapters of Ephesians, then Paul moves into talking about unity. But now he's helping us to understand the deeper purpose of this unity and what it is that God desires to flesh out of our unity. Often, you all, I think there is a misconception about unity. I think that um, when we think of unity, we think that that means that, that we're connected to people with whom we may not disagree. 
There's no disagreement. I think when we think of unity, we may think of the idea of oneness and that we are one in the same in terms of how we may think or how we may feel about an issue or how we might live. Here's a quick check-in. Anybody in the room married? Married folk, can you just raise your hand? Married folk, okay, great. It's awesome. One of the things that marriage will teach you is that there is no way that's what unity means. My wife and I will have been married 10 years this coming July, 10 years. You would clap if you knew how much of a miracle that is. My wife is the fourth person of the Trinity. You would really be giving God praise right now if you knew. So, so, so we've been married 10 years. My wife is a total saint, you all. My wife and I have disagreed on everything from politics. We've disagreed on money. We've disagreed on big things and little things like who should have won American Idol last time? And how do you fold socks and place them in the drawer? And no, you, you don't wash dishes with the water running. You leave the water running. No, you don't. Yes, you do. And in spite of all of those disagreements, you all, my wife and I have figured out for 10 years how to still stay together how to still occupy the unity of marriage with great joy and still laugh and still love. Why is that? Because maturity teaches you that unity is not about uniformity, but it is about solidarity. Solidarity, there's a difference. Solidarity is the idea that I don't have to agree with you or be like you to be with you. I'll say that again. Solidarity says we can be unified even in our diversity. So I don't have to think like you or vote like you or look like you or walk like you or talk like you or agree with you to be unified with you. So, thank you. So, if I get just one, I'll be all right. So, I don't have to be with you. But then he hits on this idea. He begins to transition into this idea of diversity. Right? Because he says in verse 7, but now to each one of us has been given a grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he's talking about all of us. Then he starts talking about each one of us. And he's helping us to understand that each of us have a different grace. So we're one, we're unified, but we're different. Just like the Trinity. Three distinct persons all occupying the same nature, but yet one God. How can they be different and yet be one? Because oneness doesn't mean sameness. And maturity helps you to understand that diversity is not some cute idea from people of different backgrounds to get together and sing kumbaya. That's not diversity. Rather, listen, diversity is God's strategy for his distribution of grace to the body. Diversity is God's strategy for the distribution of his grace to the unified body. And when we realize that God has brought us into unity in order to prepare us for that diversity, we will come to appreciate our differences so much more because rather than allowing our differences to create conflict, we will recognize our differences as an opportunity to connect. I forgot to mention this earlier. I usually do, but I'm black and um, left that out. And so one of the, one of the cool things... Um, about being black in a majority culture, a majority white culture, is that you run into, and by cool, I was trying to be cynical, but, but you run into this thing where people think that diversity 
um, is some idea that's supposed to be experienced on a surface and basic and shallow level. So, so in other words, um, when you're black and when you have a few uh, sprinkles of diversity in a room, uh, that, that gets reduced to the idea that, oh, great, so around the holiday party, we got somebody who'll bring ethnic food. <laughs> or, or, hey, at the party, we're going to have different kinds of music and we'll be able to dance. Hey, Sean, teach us that electric slide thing, Right? Right? We reduce it to those kind of ideas. But watch this. This is what I love about maturity in diversity. What happens is when we're talking about whether it's racial diversity or cultural diversity or diversity of gift or experience, diversity in our unity is about recognizing what God has provided to us to help us build a bigger picture. So how many of y'all like working with puzzles? You remember the puzzles, you have the, the box and you pour all the pieces out onto the table and you sift through the pieces to try to figure out how to connect them, how to make them connect, right? So when I do puzzles, I like to start with the corner pieces because I can figure out how to build all the other pieces around the corner pieces, right? So I was doing a puzzle one time with my baby brother. He's much older now. Um, I'm not going to tell you how old he is. If I tell you how old he is, I'm telling you how old I am and I'm in denial about that, so we'll leave that alone. But my younger brother and I one time were doing a puzzle and I had laid out the corner pieces and put those uh, where they belonged. And he was trying to put pieces together. And he was doing pretty good for a while. And then he came across one piece. He couldn't figure out how to make that piece fit. And so he threw that piece behind his back and away from the table. And I said, you can't do that. And he said, I can't find how this fits. I said, no, you're frustrated because you're trying to make this piece connect to this piece. And you're looking at that piece and you're looking at that piece. But in order to make pieces fit that you don't understand, you have to look at the bigger picture. So I showed him the picture that was on the front of the box because you don't build the picture by looking at just the pieces. You build the picture by looking back at the vision that you've been given to fit the pieces together. If I was in another church, y'all be shouting right now. <laughs> and what you have to understand is that when it gets difficult, when you're trying to make pieces fit and connect, when you're frustrated because things don't fit, all you have to do is remember that if we got the cornerstone in place and if we know that Jesus is the corner piece, then we can fit every piece together, not according to comparison, but according to the call and the vision that he's called us to be in the world for the body. So I know you're different from me. I know you think different from me. I know you feel different from me, but it's all good because even the crazy pieces fit in God's big picture. Can you say amen? So we're maturing in our diversity, but not only that, God desires to mature us in our capacity. Paul goes on to say that, you know, Jesus ascended on high. He led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, right? So it would have been awesome, would have been enough had Jesus died for us. You know, it would have been wonderful. That's, wow, that's amazing. But not only does he die for us, the Bible helps us understand that Jesus raises from the dead. Not only does he raise from the dead, not only is there a resurrection, but he ascends from the resurrection into heaven. And he says, I'm going away, but I'm sending you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you some, some things by way of the Holy Spirit that you can make use of in this incredible diversity that I'm going to supply you with. And he gives these gifts 
Now, what is the purpose of the gifts? The purpose of the gifts is to help us build capacity for God's mission. The purpose of the gifts is to build capacity in the church for us to respond to God's mission. One of the greatest realizations of a mature believer is that ministry does not happen to you. It happens through you. And the purpose of being part of the body of Christ, being a part of a church community, is not just for us to come where others can serve us, but where we can come where those who have been gifted to lead and equip the church can equip us with the capacity to serve others and the capacity and the wisdom and the skill to equip others to equip others. When I look at the world today, friends, I see a world desperately in need of the full capacity of the church. That's what I see when I look at the world. I see communities growing deeper into darkness and hopelessness and despair. I see children becoming victims of the wicked political systems that they reside in. I see leadership vacuums in almost every field. I see a world that's losing innovation and creativity. If you don't believe it, check out the latest television show that's been rebooted. I see a world that's hungry and desperate for somebody with spiritual power to come along and make a difference. And when I look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when I look at the body of Christ, continuing to come to church Sunday after Sunday to watch a few gifted people do what they've been gifted to do, I think we're missing it. I wonder if we have the recognition and the understanding that when we look at what the world needs, that we are the ones the world is waiting for. You are the ones that the world is waiting for. You are the leader that God is waiting for. You are the person that God wants to equip to start the business that will hire people who've been praying to God for a job. You are the one who God is calling to plant a church, to go and launch a ministry that will reach people that the church has not reached yet. You are the one. Well, I'm too old. Tell that to Moses. Well, I'm too old. Tell that to Caleb. Well, I'm too young. Tell that to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, God, I can't do what you're calling me to do. I'm too young. God said, basically, shut up. You don't believe me? He said, do not say that, for you are going to go wherever I called you, and you're going to say whatever I say to you to say, and you will be sent wherever I send you, because it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can be equipped with the capacity to carry forward God's mission in the earth. If we realize the moment that we are in, every time the doors of the church were open for anything, we would run in and we would say to the pastors and the leaders and the teachers, equip us to build the capacity so that we can recognize and respond to God's call and God's mission and maximize the moment that we're in. Help me realize how I've been gifted to serve the least of these. Help me realize how I can be on mission in the marketplace. Help me realize how I can demonstrate the gospel on my job. I can demonstrate the gospel on my job and I can demonstrate the gospel if God calls me to leave my job. Make sure that God called you. Make sure that God, because I'm not paying your rent. Make sure that God called you, right? 
God, help me to be equipped to serve the mission. Help me to realize how I've been wired uniquely. Please teach me. Please reveal things to me. Help me to be corrected. Help me to grow. Speak prophetically to me, prophets. It's not about your middle name is Lucy and last week you had on a red dress. It's about speaking truth to me that transforms me. Don't coddle me. Don't baby me, but help me grow so I can reach the capacity that God has called me to reach so I can do what I'm supposed to do. So the doctor told us to do something with sage called tummy time. Are you familiar with tummy time? Okay. So basically tummy time works like this. When your child begins to move around a little bit, you lay the baby flat on their stomach and give them time every day to begin to work their muscles to push themselves I don't know who came up with this cruel and unusual torture of children. So the first time we try to do this, Sage hollers out in pain. Like a black Baptist preacher. Almost as if she was saying, Daddy, save me! So I picked her up and I coddled her. And my wife, who's a nurse, says, don't do that. Because if you rescue her every time, you have to let her experience that pain because that pain is the only thing that's going to build her push. You didn't hear what I just said. Sometimes God wants to equip us by allowing us to be in places and in situations, circumstances where we're not comfortable because when we're not comfortable, those are sometimes the only spaces where we begin to flex muscles we've never flexed to move in ways we've never moved, to build capacity to do the things that we haven't done before. So sometimes it's the job of the people who've been called to equip us to actually let us be uncomfortable sometimes. Now, before I get in trouble, please know I've not been briefed on anything to talk about. I've not been told what to say. We ain't had no conversation. I just think the Holy Spirit might be all up in your business a little bit. But it's all good because watch this. That pain, that discomfort, sometimes that disappointment helps you to grow. And if you don't grow, if you don't push, if you don't reach your full potential, there's somebody who needs the stuff that God has put in you. There's somebody who needs the grace that God has put in you who won't experience that grace. So God... Push me. God, equip me. God, stretch me because somebody needs what you've given me. He wants to mature us in diversity. He wants to mature us in capacity. Then he wants to also mature us in our authority. In our authority. Anybody got teenage children in the room? Teenage? God bless your heart. I remember being a teenager. But as I got older, I realized my mother began to trust me more. As I got older, as I matured, she watched me learn and grow and make better decisions. She began to give me things like keys to the house so I could come and go as I please. You don't get keys until you demonstrate that you know what to do with the keys, right? So he began to trust me with more money to manage. And God wants us to recognize that we must mature so that we can steward the authority that he has given to us as believers. Did you know you have authority? Did you know you have power? Look at somebody next to you, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got power. Okay, let me, let's stop, okay, let's do that again. Let's, let me give you training, okay? So um, remember, I'm black now. 
I just want to remind you. And so sometimes in the church I come from, we give instructions, and, and it sometimes is like a participatory sermon, which means you get to preach a little bit with us. So when we ask you to turn to your neighbor, that means this. That means that there's somebody sitting on the left of you or somebody sitting on the right of you. And so you actually have to physically turn in their direction and maybe even look at them so you can identify and confirm that that's actually your neighbor and not some other person impersonating your neighbor and look at them and simply repeat what the preacher has said to you and then you have been deputized to be a co-preacher. Does anybody understand that? Any questions? Okay, so let's try that again. So look at your neighbor. Find a neighbor. Find a neighbor real quick. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor because I need you to co-preach this because they'll believe you because they know you because I might be lying. And, they, you know, I'm just here. This is my first time being. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Okay, let's try that one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Okay, that's very good. Now say, neighbor. You have power. Now, since you did it so good, look at another neighbor. Turn around and find another neighbor. Find another, you got another neighbor on the other side of you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Okay, now y'all done took over the sermon. I didn't give you no instructions yet. You're just talking. Now, look at this. Follow the preacher's instructions. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you have power. Because you have power, God wants to mature your understanding of how to steward that authority. Because when we steward that authority, well, watch this, we can confront deceivers and deceptive systems trying to manipulate us because we've come to understand the truth in such a way that we cannot be manipulated. When we recognize the power that we've been given, we recognize that we can speak the truth in love because we have come to understand the power of our words. We can understand that we've been given our mouth as a mouthpiece to speak what thus says the Lord. And we can speak with power and speak with clarity and speak with authority and confidence because we've been mature in truth. I don't have to worry about somebody coming along trying to trick me because I know what I'm talking about. So I can speak with authority and I can call out the lies of the enemy and I can call out the lies of false theology and I can call out the lies of the world that tell people that you can't be what God has called you to be. We can carry ourselves differently because we realize that our behavior and our example either stirs or stunts the growth of the people around us. Maturing in authority allows us to grow so we can go and do the things God has called us to do and not be worried about forces that would try to hinder us. This is my, my final point, and then I'm, I'm done. So <clears throat> my mother married a wonderful man. It's my stepfather. He passed away some years ago. It's her second relationship. And uh, my stepfather, I really feel like, was called to be part of our family. Um, he loved my brother as well. My mother and he got married when I was between high school and college. I went away to college and they got married. And, <clears throat> and he took great, good care of my mother, took real good care of my brothers. One of the things that's a feature of my testimony is that my family experienced homelessness. We stayed in Salvation Army shelters. And, and so whenever we had a home, it was always a home that we rented. Right? So if you've ever rented before, you know that when, you, when you're a renter, you have a landlord. And you can't just walk in and say, you know what, I think I'm going to knock out that wall because it's not your wall. Right? You can't say, well, I'm just going to tear out the carpet because it ain't your carpet. Right? You can't just say, well, I'm going to 
no, I think I'm going to expand and add a room on that side of the house. You can't do that because that's not your property, right? So you have to ascribe to the rules of the landlord. So big, big significant thing was before my stepfather died, he bought my mom a house. And it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a fantastic house, but it was a house that was ours. It needed some work. And he was going to do some renovation in the basement and make that a nice family room. And, and he said to me, one time I came home from college, he gave me a set of keys and he said, you know, I know you're in college and I know you're grown, you're out on your own now, but I want you to just know this one thing. This house is your house too. Here are the keys. Whenever you're here, just make sure that you make yourself at home because my house is your house. So he gave me the keys. So he worked really hard. He had two jobs. He would drive an airport shuttle, and he also worked for the city. And so some of the projects he wanted to do, he didn't have the time to do them. So I said one weekend I was going to come home and surprise him and do some work in the basement for him, do some rental work. Now, I don't know anything that I'm doing when it comes to rental work, but I just decided I was going to try to do some stuff and knock out a wall and maybe put up some drywall and do some of the stuff he wanted to do, right? So as I'm doing this stuff, I start... Um, knocking out the wall, and you don't understand this, but when you've been a tenant and you've had to work with a landlord for some time, you get anxious when you're doing some of that kind of stuff. You start wondering, is somebody going to come and, you know, take you away? Are you going to get kicked out? And so all this anxiety is going through my body. But then I remember, we're not tenants anymore. I remember that this was my father's house. And because it's my father's house, he's given me the keys, and I have the authority. So if this wall is not pleasing to my dad, I can knock out the wall and not have to worry about it. And if this carpet is not what my dad wants. I can pull up the carpet and not worry about it. And if this furniture is not where my dad wants it, I can move it around. I can do whatever would please the father. And if anybody comes along and asks, what am I doing? All I got to do is pull out my keys and say, no, I got the keys. And my father told me that I have the authority and this is where I belong. Can I tell you something? Your father in heaven has delegated you authority. And it's time for us to ask the question, God, what is it that you would have us to do in the world? What systems would you have us to change? What challenges would you like us to engage with? What problems would you like us to solve? Because we're not afraid of what man would do to us. We're not afraid of what Satan would try to do because you've given us power and we're ready to move in the fullness of that power because you're growing us up to be all that you've created us to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church that has always intended for maturity. You know how I know that, God? Because they're still here. The reality, Lord, is that when we don't become what we've been created to be in, when we don't reach those developmental milestones, we don't last very long. So God, I thank you for a church, for members and for families who have throughout generations have intended to submit themselves to the maturing of your Holy Spirit. God, even as the worship team comes and prepares us to transition from this service, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now. For Lord, there's a new generation and and Lord, there's a, a new world. The world has changed. And I even thank you that this church has been a church that 
has positioned itself to embrace change, whether that be name changes or changes in leadership and embrace of things even that they don't understand. God, allow them to even continue to mature beyond that. Father, take us deeper and further in our diversity. Help us to realize that the differences that you've established in the body are for the purpose of your mission, that you've distributed a unique variety of gifts to this place. God, whatever gifts we need, thank you that we fully embrace them. Even if we don't understand them, we receive them because we believe that whomever you bring to this congregation is who we need to complete the picture you called us to. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for increasing our capacity. God, I pray that you would quicken gifts. God, raise up new teachers. Thank you for the teachers that you sent. Raise up new ones. Raise up those who can teach even beyond this local setting. God, raise up church planters if it be your desire. God, raise up missionaries. God, there's young people in the room. God, speak to them about how you've uniquely wired and graced them to serve the mission of the kingdom and to share the gospel. And God, thank you for our authority. Father, may we speak the truth in love to one another. May we speak the truth in our jobs. May we speak the truth in our homes. May we speak it not just with our words, but with our life. May everything that we communicate be a demonstration that we are a people who walk in the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Father, for these things, we give you glory and we thank you for the finished picture. We see it. We're ready for it. We look forward to it. We're hopeful. Holy Spirit, guide us in the direction that you've called and created us to pursue. In Jesus' name, amen.